Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Friday of the 29th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, grant that we may always conform our will to yours and serve your majesty in sincerity of heart through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. I, the prisoner in the Lord, implore you to lead a life worthy of your vocation. Bear with one another charitably, in complete selflessness, gentleness and patience. Do all you can to preserve the unity of the Spirit by the peace that binds you together. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were all called into one and the same hope when you were called. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, who is Father of all, over all, through all, and within all. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. The Lord's is the earth and its fullness, the world and all its peoples. It is he who set it on the seas, on the waters he made it firm. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Who shall climb the mountains of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and reward from the God who saves him. Such are the men who seek him, seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. 
and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, When you see a cloud looming up in the west, you say at once that rain is coming, and so it does. And when the wind is from the south, you say it will be hot, and it is. Hypocrites! You know how to interpret the face of the earth and the sky. How is it you do not know how to interpret these times? Why not judge for yourselves what is right? For example, when you go to court with your opponent, try to settle with him on the way, or he may drag you before the judge, and the judge hand you over to the bailiff, and the bailiff have you thrown into prison. I tell you, you will not get out till you have paid the very last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and um, he's being a bit critical of them, right? How do you not know to interpret these times? The implication here is that, guys, you should be able to see what's going on. The comparison he gives, um, you know, pertains to the weather. He says, look, you see a cloud coming up in the west, you say rain is coming, and and it does, right? Um you see a cloud coming up over the Mediterranean Sea, you know, sort of ready to float over Israel and drop its rain. We've seen this before. We've seen how this works. In the same way, you know, wind comes up from the south, you say it's going to be hot. Now, and interestingly, of course, it's going to be, you know, kind of the opposite for us, um, you know, here in Australia. We hear a forecast of a northerly wind and, oh man, you know, it's going to be hot and it's going to be dry. But Jesus points out that, like, you can read creation. You can read the patterns in the world and you can make a forecast. You can, you can see what's happening. But the implication is, well, why can't you see what's going on with respect to what's happening now? You should be able to see what's happening with respect to the coming of the kingdom of God. You may remember earlier in Luke's gospel that um, John the Baptist actually sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus um, and asks him, like, are you the one who is to come or do we have to wait for someone else? Um, interesting that John the Baptist, you know, in his own imprisonment is sort of wavering in his faith or his, his certainty about who Jesus is. But Jesus' response is very interesting. He says, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind see again, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is proclaimed to the poor, and happy is the man who does not lose faith in me. It's not a simple yes-no answer. Yep, I'm the Messiah. Don't worry, John. Everything's on track. Um, No, instead it's, well, read the signs of the times. Read what's going on. What was said about the Messiah is being accomplished in me. Just like when a cloud pops up in the west, just like a southerly brings about hot weather, when you see these things happen, you know what's going to come about. You know what God's up to. Now, what's of some significance is the fact that Jesus is talking to the crowds. When you read the Gospels, it's interesting to consider who Jesus is talking to, because they roughly fall into, you know, three basic categories. On the one hand, you've got the disciples. Who are they? They're the ones who have decided that Jesus has got something about him and that they're going to follow him. They're going to learn. They're going to discover what the relationship is between him and God and how they too can share in it. They're the disciples. 
Then, on the other hand, you've got Jesus' opponents, and they vary from scribes to Pharisees. You've got Herodians, you've got chief priests, you've got elders of the people. You know, the list is is pretty long. Um, They're the ones who've set themselves up in opposition to Jesus. But then you've got this third group, who are the crowds. These are the ones who are kind of listening with their arms folded. All right, convince me. They could kind of go either way. They could become a disciple, be convinced by Jesus and start to follow him. Or they could side with his opponents. But up until this point, they're kind of indifferent. And that might be where they stay. They might just kind of keep their arms folded and turn around and walk away and go, well, that was interesting, but, you know, nothing of any great importance. But these are the ones that Jesus is speaking to. And he's pointing out, hey, look, you should be able to see what's going on. Because you can read the signs of the weather, why can't you read the signs of what I'm accomplishing? Why can't you read the signs of what God is doing in the world? And Jesus is kind of ascribing a bit of blame to them. You should be able to see. You should be able to tell. This little parable that he gives is, well, you know, judge for yourselves which is right. You know, when you go to court with an opponent, try to settle with him on the way. Or else things might not go so well for you. Um, now is actually the opportunity to reconcile and to get peace. Because here's your opportunity to get this sorted. Right here, right now. Before you get to the law court. Because there, things might not go so well for you. Here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. You should be able to see the importance of this present moment. Well, with Jesus standing before the crowds, they should be able to recognize the importance of this present moment. That this is their chance. Here's your opportunity. Christ is right here. There are enough signs in the works of Jesus for the crowd not to remain the crowd, but to become disciples, to grasp the opportunity that is present before them, because they should be able to see the signs of these times, the importance of the presence of Christ. All right, fair enough, but what does that mean for us? If Jesus is just speaking to the people around him, how is that of anything but passing interest to you and to me? Well, I think the principles that stand behind Jesus you know, kind of quasi-criticism of the crowds, um, needs to be referred then also towards us. If they missed the signs of the times and the importance of the opportunity that was presented to them in the presence of Christ, um, is it possible for us to do the same? Why didn't they see what was in front of them? And what was it that didn't kick them from the crowd into the category of the disciple? Well, it touches upon an interesting dynamic within the human heart that Jesus points to on a number of occasions in the Gospels. You know, he says that, you know, you've got eyes, but you do not see, that you have ears, but you do not hear, that the simple capacity of being able to see and being able to hear doesn't mean that we're able to receive that which is presented to us. So what's this mode of receiving then? What enables us to truly perceive what stands before us? Well, there needs to be a kind of openness, a willingness to receive, that seeing and hearing actually involves our will. I've got to want to be able to see. I've got to want to be able to hear. And I suppose when it's put to us in sort of fairly stark terms, um, we start to recognise that within ourselves. 
to truly be able to hear and to see. Well, what do we need? Well, for starters, we've got to be a little bit humble that what we see and what we hear can actually teach us something because, you know, we don't have a complete picture of the whole world yet and there's something left for us to learn. We also need to be willing to change that if what I see and hear actually makes a demand of me or, or stands in judgment of me, that I need to be able to acknowledge my own shortcomings and maybe pick up my game or be willing to turn in a different direction. It can happen that what I see and hear, in fact, doesn't fit the pattern of my own prejudgment, that what I know and hold to be true and certain is suddenly challenged, and so I dismiss what I see, that I refuse to behold that which is right in front of me because I don't want to let go of the certainty in which I'm locked. I don't know if any of that sounds familiar, but... um. This is what can hold us back from perceiving what's right in front of us. To have eyes but not see. To have ears and not hear. Because, in fact, our will is actually contained in the act of seeing and hearing. It all depends on whether we want to see it. And so that's why there's a bit of blame here that Jesus points to. He says, you know, you should be able to see the signs of the times. Look, you see a cloud and you say it's going to rain. You see a southerly wind and you say it's going to be hot. Why is it that you can't see what's going on in your very midst and in the same way be able to interpret what's going on? I think the gospel today invites us to a new and radical openness to the presence of God now, in our very lives. That we've got to kind of open our eyes, open our ears, and read the signs of God's holy presence. There are some raw facts in our lives of what's going on, right? These particular relationships, these particular events, these particular moments. But where is God present in all of it? And is there something that I'm not seeing or not wanting to see? Is there something that I'm not hearing or not wanting to hear? And am I actually missing the presence of God? Am I kind of standing there in the crowd with my arms folded? because I can't see God present actually in my suffering, or I can't see God present in the one who's a real pain in my backside. In order to have these eyes that see and these ears that hear, we need to bring a little humility. We need to bring a willingness to test ourselves and be accused. We need to bring a willingness to change and to repent. And if we've got this, we might actually come to see the presence of Christ in our lives. We might actually discover that he's been busy and he's been doing great works and that we can stop being part of the crowd with our arms folded waiting for Jesus to show up and instead join the company of the disciples who have found Christ and now follow him. At the Saviour's command and formed by divine teaching, We dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.